This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Book Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and today I'm your guide as I take you through another Palace win. Three in a row. This time it was Watford. Palace winning 1-0 thanks to an own goal by Troy Deeney. Uh, we'll be giving our views as usual, but of course we also want to hear from you. You can go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways to get in touch with the show, including the chat room, holradio.net forward slash chat. We'll be back after this short message. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Okay, and with me today I have Mr. Nicholas Gillard. Hello, everybody. Hello. I also have Ed Kellaway. Good evening. Good evening and good afternoon to Patrick O'Connor. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Three hellos. That's uh, extravagant. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, can't wait to uh, to review yet another win. It seems a bit odd, uh, being happy at weekends and all that kind of stuff. Uh, looking a lot brighter for Palace at the moment. Uh, if you're listening, uh, if you do usually listen live on Facebook and you've had any trouble with that, should be up and running now. So you just go to Facebook, search Homestay Radio to find our page, and you'll be able to click on the live link. You can live comment as you go. Obviously, tweet us at HOL Radio if you want to get in touch during the show as well. And Nick, you're probably going to be in the chat room, right? Yeah, I'm going to be in the chat room. HOLradio.net forward slash chat for all your opinions and stuff and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I want to take you through the game, first of all. Uh, I'm going to go through the key moments of the match and uh, just give a, a little bit of an opinion on what we thought of those key moments. Uh, then we'll take you through, through a few of the talking points that we've come up with today. Uh, just, you know, try and analyse when Nice and positive because there's lots to be positive about. But... Uh, it's fair to say it wasn't the most exciting of games. Uh, you know, the first half hour or so, nothing actually really happened. Of, of you know, more than a couple of things of note. Uh, it's quite, uh, you know, let's face it, it was quite boring. Uh, <laughs> those that were there or those that were watching at home, but um, as it turned out, really livened up in the second half, which was great. So, guys, the first thing I note that happened, and and, and it was a sort of, you know, it was a, it was a, a regular feature of the game that Wilf would break through, beat about three people, and then something would happen. Uh, and the first time something happened, he, he sort of started in his own half, broke down the left-hand side uh, and got a shove, well, right on the edge of the area uh, on the left-hand side uh, from, from Craig Cathcart, who had a nightmare trying to deal with him all game. Uh, shove in the back, 
first of all, no foul given. Was it a foul, Nick? Yeah, it was. It really was a foul. And I, I was talking to a bloke next to me, and we were discussing how we're not getting getting any fouls for Wilf at all, really, apart from blatantly obvious ones. It, it just... It, it's starting to get like it was with Andy Johnson, when, yeah. when Andy Johnson got loads of penalties, and then suddenly we got none for ages. I don't know. Are refs supposed to keep their eye on Wilf? You, you kind of get that feeling, don't you? Um, I mean, Patrick, you've, you've obviously you've seen it before as well. You've seen players get judged harshly or get a reputation they perhaps don't deserve. Do you think that's the case with Wilf? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't, I don't understand why, you know, I don't care what time in a match it happens. I, it reminds me of the, um, I guess, the Borough match. The same thing happened. He cuts down the left, cuts in, pushed out, of, pushed out, and uh, there's no penalty call. And the referee had a good position, so I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I, again, I know I understand the Watford fans, they started singing, uh, you know, about Wilf, about, you know, going down and diving, etc. But it seems like he doesn't get a lot of calls. And you watch other matches, you see players go down so easily and they get calls all the time. So it, it's frustrating because I really don't think he's a diver, but I think that the reputation is definitely sticking as far as that. And I thought that was definitely a foul, if not a penalty kick. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say Ed, that he, he goes down kind of anticipating contact sometimes, if that's, if that's the way of putting it. Um, but it's very rarely that he doesn't actually receive the contact that he anticipates. So, you know, and obviously Watford fans have, have a real issue with him. But, you know, from my perspective, and I guess they would say I'm biased just as much as I think they're biased against Wilf. From my perspective, they hate him because he's time and again proven that he's too good for him. But, <laughs> you know, it, in, in, in Wilf's case, you know, is there something he could be doing differently? Is he, is he over-anticipating, if that's a phrase? Uh, I think the only thing he could do differently is not play for Palace. Like, his referees just will not give it. Like if he was like Hazard against United, the amount of like protection he gets from referees that Wilf just does not get. Like he he anticipates contact a lot of time, like you say. But I think if he if he didn't do that a lot of the time, we'd would miss him a few games a season through injury because he'd end up getting really clattered a lot of the time. He has to sort of avoid the contact or anticipate it because. Uh, a lot of the time you get it completely cleaned out. As for this one, I think it was uh, the contact probably started just outside the box. So it is a foul, I think. So, but it's probably just a free kick right on the edge. But it's not. A, there's not a massive amount of contact. But Zaha running at that speed, that, that nudge in the back is enough to send him down. But you know that early in the game, most referees, you know, will bottle it. So yeah, that's and exactly what he's done. Yeah, exactly. I do think that's the case. It, it was, you know, anywhere else on the pitch kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating to watch. And again, in the stands, it looks a clear foul. In the stands, it looks a penalty, but it always does. But, you know, when you see it back, it is, it is outside the area. Next, it, would have been given a, it would have been given at Old Trafford for Man United. Put it yeah, that to way. say for Man United. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple of things in chat room. HRL Radio forward slash chat john mccormick eight says evening all evening john um wilf has to be rugby tackled um to be awarded a free kick and crystal meth um has said that wilf is the second most fouled player in the prem i think yeah, yeah I've, I've seen that status behind hazard wasn't it so yeah but if you think about all the ones he doesn't get he'd probably be way out in front um it's, yeah. it's an interesting one and let's let's take a moment to talk about you know the system we employed. Obviously, nothing nothing changed from the previous uh, game, other than schlupping for for the injured Van Arnholt and obviously MacArthur out the squad. I think I, I couldn't work it out. I thought he was dropped, but someone suggested to me that he'd had the five yellow cards and was suspended for the for the game. 
but um, but other than other than that, that sort of change really. You were, you know, Wilf as seems to have excelled out on the left, and we were all talking earlier in the in the season about how annoyed we were with Townsend for insisting on playing on the right and taking our best player from his preferred position and all that kind of stuff. Are we going to revise that opinion now? Start with you, Patrick. I don't like a player dictating where they play, but looking back on the results, I'm not going to complain about it because Wolves done well, but I would really, I actually always liked uh, the swapping flanks type thing. I think it confuses yeah. defenses and stuff like that, but um, am I going to revise it? Um, Chance going to have a few more better games. You know, he's gone on a good role, so he does play better than that. But I, I won't revise it, but I will say that um, it hasn't hurt Wilf, which I think is the, is the best thing about it. Wilf's kind of rose above it, which I really like to see that. So I'm not worried about it right now. It's funny because Townsend wants to play out wide right so he can cut in and get a shot away on his left. But all that's really happened is Wilf's got more shots away and been able to drive sort of more centrally into the Absolutely. pitch. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. So it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's been very, very interesting to see. Yeah. Um, well, it's been interesting look, that he's... he's got better since he decided he wasn't going to play for England. <laughs> yeah, there's And that, that pressure well. went. The pressure maybe. went. He didn't have to perform anymore to try and get in. So maybe that took, lifted something off his shoulders. I don't know. That's not a bad shout. Yeah, he certainly you know, certainly has looked, looked better since he's come back from, from international duty. But he's been, you know, he's been our, our best player this season. I think everyone would probably agree with that. He was the standout player yesterday. But in terms of the, the, the system we're employing, you know, I get the feeling that, that Allardyce has pretty much only just realised how good Wilf is. You know, you can almost can't hide a smile when he talks about him. Uh, you know, he, he sees the sees the real talent that he's got at his disposal. But it is, it's great to see a system that's working for him. But you know, there's there are times in the game, uh, and I'll, I'll get your views on this, Ed, the times in the game where I feel Townsend breaking down the right-hand side, you can't cannot get good enough delivery in, on his right foot. And similar for Wilf, he can't, can't go round a player and deliver the kind of cross that we're talking about. You know, the striker, Christian Benteke, what he's what he's after. You know, he's not going to get that type of delivery with those two players playing on those wings. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I think that's valid. I mean, a lot fullbacks are always, especially if you're playing on the wrong wing as it is with them two, the fullback is always going to just look to show you down the line. And if you, you can force like Wilf or Townsend down the line onto their weaker foot, then, it, you know, it's a lot better for you as a defender than bringing them inside onto their strong foot. And Benteke, yeah, he really needs, you know, Zaha's left foot isn't brilliant. Townsend's is not bad for a weak foot, but he's not going to get that really sort of solid whip delivery down to the byline and whipping it in that you would off players that are playing on a right-footed player on the right wing, left-footed player on the left wing. So it is potentially hurting Benteke a little bit. Um, but yeah, you've got to weigh up. I'm with Patrick. I would quite like to see him switch a little bit. So we get that sometimes. We get them on their strong foots going down the line. And we also get them how they are at the moment. And it, yeah, like Patrick says, it unsettles defenders. If you've got a think about you had Zaha a minute ago. Now you've got Townsend. They both do different things. They've both got different tricks. It sort of unsettles the fullback. So I would like to see him switch every now and then. Yeah, definitely. Patrick? Yeah, and Chris... You know, I'm, I'm, as I watch them play, I can understand Benteke's frustration because it reminds me a lot uh, of early Wolf and early uh, Yala when they played, and you know they weren't crossing when they wouldn't, wouldn't cross the ball in for our previous uh, forwards. Benteke has no idea um, 
if Wolf's going to chop from left side onto his right foot, whether um, Tao's going to chop from his left foot or his right foot onto his left foot. So he's kind of he's, you know, he's waiting, he's waiting, and the questions just don't come in. And I can, and, it, and I think if they were on their on their on their quote unquote stroke, stronger foot, they would, you know, serve the ball early. And I think Ben Tech is waiting for that. I remember early in the season when against Borough, for instance, that great cross that Wolf put in for for the Borough goal uh, to Ben Tech. It was a beautifully weighted cross with his right foot. You know, he doesn't do that anymore because he's on the other side now. So I think that that's. Definitely why Benteke is so frustrated and, and out of sorts this season or, or recently because the crosses just aren't coming in like you just come regularly. And I think, as I'd say, if they switch more, it would be better for both them and Benteke. Uh, OK, Nick? What's, what's been great is seeing them... We know they're going down the wing, don't we? The, the, uh, in the highlights of match of the day, it showed Punction play a couple of flicked balls and trick balls down there. And there was a time where a ball was played, but nobody was going. I think Kabai played the ball later on. So we've, we've got that system working up again. And it, it won't be long before we do get the crosses in. I will say that Townsend, a couple of times, I thought in the first half, could have got a cross in. Yeah. And it came to nothing. We, we dilly-dallied a bit. Um, without being sort of too many stepovers or whatever, we, we need to get that early ball in. Um, interestingly, in the chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat, we've got three eagles, a parrot and a toucan. No <laughs> seagulls. Interesting. Uh, no, on, on that point, though, you, you, you say, um, you know, the crosses will come in, and that's that's the point I really wanted to make based on what, what Patrick was saying, in that, you know, okay, that, that early cross that, that you referred to um, with Wilf playing it from his right foot, floating it into the head of Benteke, that's exactly what the sort of thing that Benteke just eats up. When you uh, when you look at the fact that they can put an in swinging ball in if they if they sort of cut back onto that foot, it's all about the timing, and that's yep. just what I'd like. And again, teams have obviously noticed that again our our strength is in our wingers. They had two or three on Wilf yesterday, two on Townsend most of the time. Townsend struggled a lot more than Wilf did with that kind of attention, uh, and only really broke away a few times. And you know when we're talking about performance, actually I think a lot of people were were slightly frustrated with for for a large proportion of the game. You know, I, I, and again, that's not me being overly negative. It was just it was quite difficult to watch because Watford did a really good job with their setup. They matched us and they, they made sure they kept close to us, and, and we did a good job in stopping Watford playing. So it was two teams really cancelled each other out, and that kind of plays it plays into the sort of what the next incident was because you're talking about probably 15 to 20 minutes into the game, and you get what was the only shot on target in the first half, and that was a, a, a long range effort from Niang that just went comfortably into the the midriff of Wayne Hennessy, which is one of the thing, four saves Patrick was suggesting um, in the pre-show that, uh, that, that Wayne made uh, in his third clean sheet in a row. So really, you know, Watford were, were reduced to very, very little. Um, but it isn't conducive when you've got multiple players on our wingers for them to be able to get those early crosses in. And that's, again, that's also what Benteke is struggling with. And I think we'll be talking a lot about Benteke as, as we go into the show today because... He got a lot of criticism on uh, social media and the message boards and has done for a few weeks now. And But Allardyce was fairly quick to sort of praise him and the way he performed and talking about the fact that he just needs a goal. We'll be giving our opinions on that too in a, in a little while. But uh, just I, take you, go Sorry, just, just that system you're talking about where we're concentrating so much on the wingers, what we do miss is a, a box-to-box midfielder that will that will run at players and Benteke did a run later on did a run uh, had a great <laughs> run later on um, I've been around Lucy too much haven't I um, but yeah it, what we're missing is 
just to take the pressure off of the wingers is somebody who can pick the ball up on the edge and hopefully uh, Milivojevic will will learn to go forward with the ball because he's quite good at, at getting the ball and passing it. We've got Kabai in there who's who's good at receiving the ball and, and spraying it out. We've just got nobody in there that will run at them through the middle. You made a, a noise there, Patrick. I suggest it was going to be the similar noise to myself, Cool. Yeah, I wouldn't want him going anywhere near um, box-to-box. I love the way he's playing in front of the back four. I think that's why we're playing so well defensively. Nick, I'd much rather, and I'm thinking a bit more, I'd much rather combine punch and push forward and then uh, and support Benteke and or Will for a talent. And I would hate to see him in get further. I want to ping the passes forward more, but definitely not get yeah. forward anymore. But isn't, isn't Punchin supposed to be that playmaker who's supposed to be getting the ball and running at people? We, we haven't seen him do that for a long no, time. No, yes, no, there were some great I, one-twos yesterday, but... I agree, and he had that chance to win with Will. But I'm just saying I wouldn't want it to be Milivojevic getting forward. I'm yeah, saying fair enough. Punchin would be fine, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. And, and Punch... You know, he's doing some some very very good things on the ball, um, but but you're right, he isn't he isn't offering that. You know, he, he's he's you know he when he receives the ball, he's not going to turn and go at people. He tends to turn away and, and play a simple pass and try and manoeuvre the ball into positions rather than than use dribbling to get past people. But you know, that's that's the kind of style he is. And I guess you know if you're if you're your opinion, Nick, is shared by by Allardyce um, going into the summer, looking at what we do next season. If we do manage to stay up, and he does stay as manager and all that kind of stuff, maybe that's something you'd be looking at. How does he, how does he get, you know, someone alongside Kabai, or maybe he wants to replace Kabai. You know, you never know. But I think he'll you know. be here next season if we stay up or go down. I think he's beginning to like it here. Yeah? I think he's beginning to get Palace a bit more. He like he likes Glad all over, doesn't he? He sings along to that. But, um, does he? <laughs> <laughs> he does. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> It's his era, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but that's um, nah, nice to see. You know, he, I said this when when, it, when when he appointed me and me and Terence stuck the boot in quite a lot. And Allardyce will be talking about him a bit more later on. But you know, I said this. I'm 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 a Palace fan. I'm fickle. If he does well for Palace, I'll change my tune and I'll like him. And I'm starting to <laughs> I'm starting to like him. You know, but there there are still things about him I don't like. But if he's if he's winning games for Palace, if he's doing things that, that I think are logical and I can understand. You know, that makes me feel a lot better about the team I'm supporting and the manager than, than anything else. So, you know, I'm fickle, I admit it. Um, but talking of, talking of Punch and, and, and how he played, it was the next, next major incident in the game. It, it was him sort of lifting the ball wide left to Zaha again, and he tricked his way into the box, cut back. It was that one where he drilled it back towards Benteke, and they had the defender sort of dive header it out. And Kabai had a, had a real chance, Patrick, to sort of drill that in and ended up uh, drilling it straight into the defender. Yeah, uh, um, he's he's... He's definitely. I like the way he's playing of late under um, Allardyce Kabai. I just like to score a couple of goals. I was watching um just kind of going back. I, I was watching a, a great DV, uh, YouTube of his goals at, at Newcastle. My God, could he score some great goals for Newcastle? He was so good. So I mean, nobody gets that form, but I really like the way he's playing. And again, it was a great chance. I thought he could take the time a little bit more on that shot, and he probably would have got it on target and scored. But again, he's really starting to play. I mean, I've been a bit critical of Kabai, but I like the way he's been playing of late. Yeah, it's definitely an improvement there. Um, next up, Ed, we saw um, Tom Cleverley, who had a, a bit of a running battle with Kabai through most of the game, but he um, slid on really, late, slid in really, really late on Zaha and uh, got a bit of rough treatment again, didn't he, Zaha? But but Cleverley got got the book in there, and um, you know, perhaps there was a number of times in the game where he could could have gone off. Do you see that as a uh, you know, as Palace sort of taking this this more physical approach to the game, being at the battle teams a little bit better, maybe shades of Allardyce's kind of influence. 
Yeah, and it's us. Sometimes in the past, we've just been Palace. We've been too nice. Like there was a little bit of, like especially after you got booked, Kabai, especially later on, we'll probably talk about. Like obviously, he realised he was on a booking and tried to get under his skin and niggle him a little bit to try and get the second yellow and get him sent off. But yeah, that one on Wilf was. He was going in to just try and do Wilf. I think he'd went in. I think intentionally quite high and in front, hoping Wilf was would run into him and he could just clean him out but luckily for Wilf he was in the process of checking back in and twisting Cathcart around for like the third time that's one thing, I've, one thing I've noticed about Wilf actually is that he doesn't really although he gets a hell of a lot of bad treatment like that it's rare that he actually gets injured or comes off badly you know you think about poor Johnny Williams getting tackles like that and it shatters his legs but yeah uh, but but Wilf you know he's 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 sort of built a certain way. He's good at getting out of the way of it and anticipating stuff. But he's always, a, you know, he's a strong lad as well, and it really does does help that, you know, when he's getting that kind of treatment and not really getting the protection. That, that generally speaking, he stands up to the rigors of it superbly. I think a lot of the best players are like that as well. They've got the the physical attributes to stand up to rough treatment. Yeah, I think he's probably he's probably had to put up with it since a fairly young age. He's had, you know, defenders that are not as good as him trying to kick lumps out of him. So I think he's probably, he's quite naturally strong and athletic, isn't he? So he's probably had years of trying to avoid uh, getting clattered by people. So yeah, he's pretty good at it. There's not too much more that uh, happened in the first half uh, other than things we've talked about already. But again, cleverly after making that challenge, uh, went up the other end and um, it, w- it wasn't a full-on elbow to the face, but it wasn't elbow to, to the midriff. Don't so you remember this, Nick, where cleverly on, on, on Kabai just before half Yeah, I'd, I didn't see it happen in real life. I saw Kabai on the ground. Um, I spoke to Gel after the game because I was his chauffeur yesterday. He <laughs> said that he he was well clattered by Cleverly. But when I looked on the replay, it, it didn't look as bad as what people outside the ground were saying it was. In slow motion, it looked 100 times worse. There's a... I, I, I suppose, yeah, you're right. It didn't look that bad. It didn't, it didn't look like a... Like you know, perhaps there was a little bit of play acting there from Kabai, as Ed was suggesting earlier, you know, a moment ago. But he knew he was on a yellow, and, and he was trying to get him into trouble. But again, perhaps an example of the uh, the sort of you know ugly side of the game that we've got to get involved in. That you know, it, it, it says something though that Watford had to resort to that because they couldn't deal with us. It says a lot about how good we were, or how good we can be, and how much we're worrying other teams again now. Yeah, more that we uh, and we and we stand up to stuff. You know, we, we you know, as as I was saying, we were too nice. You know, but now now there's a bit of an edge there, which is it's good to see. Well, it's, it comes with fitness as well, doesn't it? It does, but, yeah. But Chris, oh, oh, I would say that you know the way they lined up yesterday, they had they had four very 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 big defenders in their back yeah, they four, did, yeah. and they added two you know defenders at, at wing backs. They played basically six defenders. So you knew what we were in for yesterday. They were in for a physical battle. So. They said about Zahar and uh, Kabai, they did a good job, both of them, not getting hurt and or yellow card yesterday because there was a lot of physicality going on off the ball that they both could have got involved in, and they didn't. And Watford came with an agenda yesterday to, to be physical, and we were, we really played well considering, uh, you know, how physical they were against us yesterday. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I, you know, I'm talking about the sort of the more physical side of the game. Um, we've got a message in from Colin Squires on Twitter who said that uh, Luka is uh, Luka Milivojevic. Is uh, giving Johan the freedom. I got it wrong in the in the full world reviews. <laughs> that we've seen. Uh, Luke is giving the uh, 
it's giving <laughs> Johan the freedom to play his best football and the team is benefiting for it. Um, do you think that's the case, Patrick? You know, when you were talking about Kabai's improvement, I suppose, I suppose we've, we've said as much, haven't we? It is, it is because of that screen behind him. Absolutely. You think about the way he plays. I mean, every time, um, every single time in a post-match or pre-match um, that Allardyce talks about our improvement, he talks about the back four, Mama Sacco, Van Arnholt, and he talks about Milivojevic and the way he screens the back four, screens the back four. And what was doing it before, happened before, which I hated, that was what um, Kabai did. And I always thought Kabai was much better, not a 10, but at least further up the field. And seeing him more up the field, going box to box, the ball he played last two weeks ago to um, Will for the goal, that's, how, that's the Kabai that I knew. And again, having him behind him now has given both punch and definitely more so could buy freedom to explore and move up the pitch. He's a lot less niggly. Maybe you don't get that silly foul he always make and get yellow card early in, in a match. and doesn't do that as much because you've got more physical players behind him that will do that for him. So I think he's helped him immensely. He really has. Yeah, it's, it's nice that that's been realised. You know, perhaps... Perhaps it wasn't rocket science to realise that that was needed in the team, and it's <laughs> yeah, a surprise it took so long yeah. to actually get there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nick? Well, was he like that when Jedi was there? There was a whole season when he wasn't really there. I'd say a lot of it is down to Allardyce as well, because Allardyce, I mentioned it again on Match of the Day, sorry to keep referencing that programme, but Allardyce did say that it wouldn't be till March or April that he saw the team come together. Now, I know a lot that Allardyce is into science and sends homework to players apps on players phones and really works with the players individually and i think i think that's made a big difference as well yeah i think that's a, that's a good shout they, they you know they're more prepared he talks a lot about them buying into his ideas more and that's that's telling because you know he was very very vocal about them not understanding that his his views were the way to go and were the best and you know he knows how to get out of this system and they shouldn't be taking it upon themselves to do things on the pitch that he hasn't told them to do and if anything um i can remember years ago uh, lenny lawrence and dougie freeman doing a talk at, at an event at palace and lenny lawrence said that the the, the worst thing you can do for, for a player is give give them too much to learn tell them you know they, they, they just need to know the real basics really simple things and you know one thing at a time get them to do that right and then start with the next thing don't try and tell them 20 different things at once so i guess on, on that basis that's what that's what it's about it takes time to you know engender one idea and make sure they all understand it and then bring in the next idea and then it all kind of comes together over time but what the bloody hell did alan pardew do to them it's difficult, isn't it? Difficult to say because you can quite you can quite openly see that most of the players didn't really seem to have necessarily a problem with Pardew. But I think I think it just it was it was you could see the the attention to detail on defence and, and Pardew didn't help himself by going into the press and saying things like, I'm not really bothered about clean yeah, sheets. Absolutely. Well, and I and I Part of me actually likes that sentiment. Don't get me wrong. I like the idea of going out and, and winning games and, and, and just scoring don't say goals. It. But just, yeah, don't say it. Come on. <laughs> you know, it, it was Keegan-esque. <laughs> it was. It really was great, yeah. And you know, the funny thing, Chris, you know, uh, as Nick just said, think about the manager we've had in the past that have done really well, that you know, basic Dougie Friedman, Tony Pulis, Sam Allardyce. You know, we've always played better and done uh, under those kind of managers. It's kind of scary. You bring in something like a Holloway who's more, you know, free, free thinking, out, you know, uh, free playing, same with Pardew, and then we don't do well. It's, it's a little scary, but that's kind of not, not our DNA, is it, to kind of be, you know, free folks. more of a, you know, organised type thing. It's really weird. I, I, think, well, I think it's interesting. If you, if you look at 
teams that do play that way. So I'm going to try and pick some examples. So you have Arsenal, right? Right. Who've had a manager there for a long, long period of time. But they're they're a big side and they've had great players for a long period of time. So you can't really use them as a comparison. So you go further down the pyramid, you look at, let's take Bournemouth, right? Yep. Bournemouth spent a long, long time in the lower reach of the divisions. They were able to... I mean, it started before Eddie Howe, but Eddie Howe really was the one who galvanised it together with them and created an identity and was able to spend time building a way of playing and getting a certain type of player. And when they left, getting a certain type of player to replace him and all that kind of stuff. So he had a he had a system and the players slotted into that. And he was able to go and recruit based on, you know, recruiting players specifically for that way of playing. And has built it up over time. Swansea, the same. They they came up through all the divisions. They had to drop all the way back down. Swansea's a good so, example. They are a good example. Swansea, yep. So the where they play. So, well, if we were if we wanted to do that, so and I suppose if you look at it and say that's what Pardew was trying to put in, we probably would have had to drop through a few of the divisions. Exactly. And just leave him there doing it for a long yeah. period of time, and maybe he would have achieved it. We would, we'll never really know. But um, that's not the game that we're in. Um, and you this mean is like where Peter Taylor back. did at Gillingham. Well, yeah, actually, no, yeah. Do you see what I mean? It's, we, we are not that team. And, but this is where you get to that argument that, again, Terrence and I were talking about with the appointment of Allardyce that it's short termism. You know, we have to go from short term situation to short term situation to short term situation. Do, do I ever, you know, it's hard to see that ending. Uh, and, and someone building a legacy um, as, as a manager because the modern game really doesn't allow you to do that at the highest level because of the pressure of results. So the only way we could do it is if all of a sudden, you know, the the, the American owners just decide, you know, screw FFP, I'm just gonna we're just gonna spend everything we want and pay the fines and we end up buying a, you know, four hundred million pounds worth of talent. You know, you maybe you'd be able to do it then. I don't know. Yeah, but Chris, you know what happens then, right? You become Chelsea and you change manager. You win, you win titles. You win, you win, you know, you win cups. But then you change manager every year and a half. I mean, look at look at the top side. You said besides Arsenal, every one of those sides, Liverpool may be a side changes managers so regularly now. Man, even Man United are doing it. Leicester just changing. You know what I mean? So, I, I like the idea of long termism, but I, I'm starting to believe that just doesn't exist in the Premier League anymore. And you've got to get used to the changing and the changing and the changing. Yeah, but you know, again, that's. I suppose where you look at the, the sort of long-term thinking is, is where you need to look at the academy and you need to look at the, the facilities and all that yes, kind of stuff. Exactly. That's where you can be yeah. long-term. And that's about having a board with a vision and having, you know, should we say non-first-team staff that are consistent and have a vision and, and are talented and looked after and all that kind of stuff. Um, I completely agree with you there. You've got, you've got to have somebody outside the kind of player system to actually keep things going. Without yeah. actually looking at the players, make sure that the academy is is run really, really well. Yeah, and I'm, it's nice. It's nice to hear that Allardyce talk about wanting to wanting to do something with the academy at Palace. And, you know, again, if he buys into that, and, but I, I will get all points to the fact he's never left a legacy at a club. So we'll be <laughs> first. I think. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Got to start again, somewhere. Sorry, we're talking about Allardyce, but we can't forget Sammy Lee and all of this either, can we? Is you watch him on the touchline. Oh, it's like a seal the way he barks at people. It's fantastic. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just uh, distracted by an email. Uh, all right, anyway, listen, we, we got slightly off on a tangent there, didn't we, lads? It was good, good stuff. enjoyed it. But uh, let's talk about the second half. Um, first thing that happened in the second half, uh, and I mean pretty much the first thing after the kickoff, 
was punching and putting Kabay in on the edge of the box. So this is where Kabay has been receiving criticism, and probably rightly so. So let's talk about why. He gets the ball on the edge of the box, doesn't look, doesn't sort of look about where he is, who's around him, anything like that. He's actually completely free, could easily turn and probably have a shot or play someone else in. But he attempts a first-time ball around the corner to essentially to no one. Looks like a sort of, uh, you know, like trying to play a one-two with Punchin who hasn't followed on that run. So, well, you know, what's happening there, do we think, Ed? You know, in terms of, you know, Kabai's thinking, is it that he's just too far ahead of Punchin in his speed of thought, or is he just, is the ball a hot potato? What, what do we need to do to improve that? Uh, it's just decision-making in the final third again, isn't it? I mean, I don't think he realises how much space he's got that he can actually, when he gets that ball from uh, Punch, he can actually just turn out and he's got, either an option to shoot because I think Kabul's six or seven yards away from him or he's got Benteke in front of him and uh, Wilf's like square to his left. I don't think he just, he just doesn't realise how much time he's got and he tries to play like a cute little cushioned one-two with um, Punchin, but it's just the angle on it is completely wrong and Kabul just steps out and clears it. If he gets it right and Punchin Punchin does go to make the run, but he's got to go between, I think, two Watford defenders to pick it up. If it works, it's brilliant because Punchin's picking it up at speed. At Kabul, he'll, he'll push it past him. Kabul will not be able to touch him because he's going to bring him down. And we're right in, but he just gets the ball all wrong. And it's just, yeah, I don't think he just didn't realise how much time he's got, whether someone needs to tell him or whether a player of his quality should really be aware on the edge of their in-yard box that there's no one within no, six or seven yards of him, but yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned someone should tell him that kind of that kind of talking and that kind of uh, you know sort of sort of cohesiveness, I guess, on the pitch. Did I talk, but talking about that, do you, have you seen? Obviously, we saw a difference where we had the the, the last two week break, um, and then we've had another break now where the team have gone away. Did you see a difference, Ed, in the team uh, for, for their warm weather training? Uh, not a great. I mean, they look sort of more. Like relaxed, <laughs> yeah, no, but look more sort of together and they are sort of pulling in the same direction, like yeah. they've got a bit more fight in them. Whether that's been part of going away and some sort of cohesion in the team, team bonding and stuff like that, especially we've brought a new few uh new lads into the team, sort of integrates them a bit more. I mean, it, I don't think it hurts, and off the back of two wins, I don't think it was a bad time to, to take them away. I know they cancelled the trip after the uh Sunderland. Uh, debacle should we call it yeah we'll go with that it's politer than what I was going to say um, <laughs> it's better than a shit show that I was going to go with um, <laughs> we'll go debacle <laughs> after the Sunderland uh, game I know they cancelled it after that so yeah, I've got no problem with them going away and I think yeah it's probably helped we've the had team a, a little bit but yeah we've had a tweet in from Captain Controversy himself that could be a hashtag couldn't it <laughs> Uh, and that's Nick Philpott. He's got in touch saying that he was thinking that Johan stepped up his performance um, now that his contract is up once one more payday. I don't think his contract is up, is it? I think no, it's, it's not another, another year. year. Yeah. But uh, certainly, you know, we won't want him to just see that out for another year, will we? So there's, yeah, it could be, uh, I don't know. That is, that is as he's put hashtag cynic, I, I absolutely agree. That is very cynical. But who knows? This wouldn't be the first player to do that, would he? So, um so next up, um, there was a there was a sort of running shot from Kapuri, but I'm not really interested in talking about that. The next major incident, um, and I'll have uh, your views on this, uh, Nick and, and Patrick, uh, afterwards as well. So uh, Zaha again takes on about three players, uh, gets his pass cut out on the edge of the area, and then in trying to win the ball back, he gets into this tussle with with Prodil. 
sort of, I think Frodo steps across him and grabs his shirt and is sort of holding it down, you know, really sort of guile to Wilf. And Wilf, frustration just gets the better of him. And uh, he sort of does a forearm smash into his back and then throws him over. Um, that's that's the Zaha of old, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> Where, you know, he used to really let his frustration show. Is he lucky to get away with that? He is lucky to get away with that. But can you blame him? The amount of times he was hacked yesterday. And actually, I think the ref must have taken that into consideration. I really do. You know, ref, ref in good moments, shocker. Because of, uh, otherwise, why didn't he book him? It's like, yeah, exactly. It, it, you know, I don't know what he did or didn't see. But, I mean, Patrick, do you like this? Do you, is, is that something you want to see from Wilf, the fight? Or is that petulance? Yesterday, it didn't bother me because, like I mentioned before, because the fact that I thought that Watford targeted the Palace players in a way they set up with those huge six foot two plus defenders, I thought Wilf's setup himself was great. I was like the way Milivojevic ran in and defended him right away when, it, when somebody else pushed Wilf. And it, set, it, set up, it set up, helped set up the, you know, later on when Proto, you know, loses his head and fouls Wilf later on. So I, I didn't have a problem with it. I don't like when Wilf kicks out and does stuff, but I think in that particular case, it wasn't the worst thing. Could he have been carded? Definitely. But I actually liked that. Again, he was getting he was getting targeted from the fourth minute of the match. So I can understand it yesterday. You may mention uh, Milivojevic running in. How Jedi-esque was that? That was, I mean, I'm telling you, everything he does is Jedi-esque. And a bit Damo-like was... as well. You know, when yeah. he runs in, arms was... outstretched, come on. So, so great, exactly. You know, like, you know, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not having that. Exactly. It was... I wrote, I put that in my notes about that. It was Damo against uh, Redden in the FA Cup. Oh yeah, there's that there's that picture of him like arms out and like six yeah, running yeah, yeah. players like yeah we don't really fancy it with this crazy <laughs> <Not> Irishman. <laughs> exactly, but it, it, it's great that. to see and 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 the, you know most importantly, um, he he is really starting to to sort of well you know from day one really he's sort of come alive as a, as a Palace player as a personality. Again, looking at his comments, I don't know if you saw his uh, interview after the West Brom game. Just the way he talks, it, you know, you, that's a, that guy will probably be a manager one day and a very successful one because, you know, he's only 24, 25, something like that. And he, but he just knows the game. He's talking, you know, in, in not his first language, but he's able to talk really passionately and concisely about, you know, the importance of good support, the importance of the system that we play, you know, the talent of the players in the wide areas and how we're supposed to use them best. And he, you know, in about a minute and a half interview, he's kind of said the most intelligent comments I've heard from, from a footballer in years. And it's, it's he, Graham Lasso. Graham Lasso, yeah. <laughs> they call him Shakespeare, didn't they? Because he used to read books. But, um, yeah, he had read The Guardian in the... Yeah, uh, Although he did look slightly different on Match of the Day last night with a jumper and tie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't did. know if anybody saw that. Um, but no, it's, it's really, really good. Um, Sean Feeney, actually, on... Um, on Facebook, on our, on our live feed there, said Milivojevic for captaincy. And absolutely, you know, I can see that. Ricky Anderson said too soon. Yeah, you're right, too soon. But next season, <laughs> you know, the guy has, he just oozes, you know, leadership. Um, and, I, you know, if you look at how, I think I think it was Terence was putting up a couple of Olympiakos' recent results since he's gone. I think they've lost two games all season. I think they've now lost sort of four out of the last five or something ridiculous like that. And the manager's been sacked. The manager's been sacked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Incredible. So why have we paid for him? I think if he carries on the way he is, and, you know, we stay in this league and maybe he gets another season under his belt, I think, you know, other teams probably start looking at him for the the kind of talent he's got. 
He's like, a Champions League captain. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know. And he's um, only 73 on FIFA. He's only silver on FIFA. Come on, FIFA, sort it out. <laughs> Don't watch these players. <laughs> uh, just while I'm actually looking at the Facebook comments, I want to pick out something Chris White said because we were talking about Kabai and Punchin. And he said, you can see the difference with the players' attitude wanting to win and playing as a team again. Kabai and Punch totally transformed to the players capable of producing moments to win games now. He's looking forward to seeing us play against the best team in the league. So good comments from Chris there. And uh, just on that, we will be talking about the Allardyce effect uh, very, very shortly when we come back after forward reviews. But just before we do that, we'll go, we'll go and have a quick look at the goal. We'll skip a few few points that we were going to talk about because we got so excited talking about other stuff. Um, but I don't want to talk about the goal. So in the lead up to that, Luca jumps into a, a tackle on Niang, uh, which uh, I've seen the, all, the, all the commentary on the highlights packages I've watched since... Since obviously I saw the game live, but you, you know at Sellers, but watching it, um, watching the highlights when I got back in this morning and this afternoon and this evening, uh, like I do when we win, uh, all of them said, "What a great challenge!" <laughs> and then when they saw it back, they went, "Ooh, ooh!" It's <laughs> kind of jumped in a bit there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looked a great challenge, and I'll be honest with you, I love that sort of a challenge in football. I think just go for it, and he, you know, he could have. Could easily have been a foul. Could easily have been a yellow card. Potentially seen them given as a red, but he has connected with the player and the ball. Uh, in fact, it's his trailing leg. I think that knocks the ball away. But anyway, uh, referees. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Standing right there, sees the ball move in that direction, says good tackle, off you go, play on. Uh, ball breaks to Palace, uh, Schlupp eventually plays Zaha in on the left. And after that little ruck they just had, Prodol just body checks Zaha for the yellow card straight away and um, lifts him up, gives him a handshake, <laughs> sort of tastes the yellow. Uh, it was, uh, you know, let's, let's not talk about it. It was, it was that probably. All right, I'll just ask one of you, uh, Patrick, was that a foul by Luke or a great challenge? 
when I first saw it, I thought it was a great challenge. In replay, it looked really, really bad. He got lucky. Um, if that was Rojo, um, <laughs> I'd be screaming now until next week. So again, but again, you don't play the game in replays or slow motion. So again, in real in real speed, I thought it was a great tackle. But you, you, everybody saw it. When you see it again, that was nasty. I wonder why Niang stayed down so long. Now I know why. It, it was nasty, and I'm glad he didn't get yellow carded or red carded for that. I'm sure the ref actually acknowledged the foul and waved play on. Really? Rather than just saying it wasn't a bad tackle, well, that's what I well, thought. The, well, the ball broke to us, didn't it? So. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> no, still, no. Well, it did after a little while, but the yeah, yeah, Watford sure carried on attacking. Yeah. And that's what I All thought. Right. I thought it was letting play go on. All right, well, maybe I need to watch it about a 20th time and see what I missed. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably too busy laughing my head off as, the, as he's acting there. But uh, no, anyway, look, for whatever, whatever reason, we've, we've, we've broken away, uh, got a free kick there. Great ball in from Kabai, and what a header from Troy Deeney, David. Pretty oh, full finish. I massively enjoyed that, not just as a Palace <laughs> goal, but Troy Deeney is so good. I hate him so much. He's so <laughs> fat. and. Sorry, just... I also missed you. You wanted to say something about Lucas Tackle. You can say that after that. But... Yeah, I'll go back to that, but I'm just enjoying Troy Deeney. Reliving that in my head again too much. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take some credit because I made him my fantasy football captain this week. And <laughs> well played. The, the the Kellaway curse is that whoever I pick, either up front or as my captain, either goes on a barren run or gets injured. So I did Harry Kane last week. Diego Costa in two weeks, please. Yeah, Costa's going to get it. Yeah, so I made Deeney captain because I was like... Obviously, he always scores against us. And so, yeah, he got me zero points, but uh, scored for Palace. So, massively enjoyed that. Um, yeah, just going back quickly to the Luca thing, I, I, I thought it was a brilliant tackle. Like if you, The difference, I think Patrick said about Rojo, the difference with Rojo, the one at Selhurst Park that he didn't get anything for on Zaha, was he was running at directly towards right. Zaha then. If you're going directly at each other and you go in that high off the floor, then Agreed. you do really just stand a chance of snapping someone. Yeah. But the difference with Lucas yesterday, yes, he comes off the floor and jumps, but he jumps ahead of where the player is going so that he will run into, by the time he lands is when he will connect with the ball and the player. He hasn't jumped in at the player's feet. He jumps in sort of a, ahead of him as like a blocking tackle, which is why for me, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was a foul at the time. Uh, and looking back on it, yeah, you can maybe see it given, but I don't think it was a, you know, you could be outraged that it wasn't a yellow or red card. That's the difference for me is that they're not. It wasn't going in to towards a player head head on and going off the floor. It was coming across to make sort of a block tackle. So for me, I, you know, if you start sending people off for that, then we might it won't be long till we ban slide tackling and out of the game, and it's just like a non-contact sport for me. Ricky Anderson saying Luca was living up to his chant there. That's the one about he'll effing murder you, isn't it? <laughs> um, Nick. <laughs> that, that, that Troy Deeney goal was the greatest own goal at Sellers Park since um, 1989, I think it was, when Jeff Hopkins scored from the halfway line against Perry Sucklins for Millwall and um, pushes uh, John Terry's down to third now. But yeah, yeah. What, what a technically brilliant header. That was. He put it in exactly the right place where the keeper couldn't get it. Perfect. Yeah, it was a glorious finish, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, but it comes down to that that ball by Kabai is a great ball. 
Yeah. And I remember early in the game when um, Townsend played on the other side, whipped in that really horrible cross from the, you know, I mean, when you're putting a ball in swinger, that's where you put the ball. You put it around the six-yard box where it's kind of like, do I come out, do I not come out? And that can happen where defenders are saying, do I clear it, do I let it go through? I mean, it's, it's, I mean to me, it's a great goal by Dean, don't get me wrong, but it all comes down to goodbye's great cross. Fair enough. Go on, Ed. Um, yeah, just quickly, like Patrick said there about the delivery from Kabai. It's, it's something that Allardyce has changed. The last sort of two or three managers, and it's driven me mad. We seem to have, we were just doing these sort of like, almost like they stab at, stab at the ball and sort of stand it up on the back post and float it in. And just time after time, opposition goalies were just like catching practice. When you float it up like that and a decent keeper has got that much time to... Sort of size it up he'll just come out and, and claim it and the last sort of two or three managers we kept putting balls into the box like that and since Allardyce has come in it's been very Maybe much a lot of the time it's because Hennessy was the keeper he'd just flap it and they'd score from <laughs> whoa, where it landed whoa whoa, whoa. hey, <laughs> hey, but hey it's something stop. it's something Kabai is uh, Allardyce has changed Kabai on all the sort of set piece and it's that sort of flat quick whipped free kick that yeah, it's in that area where defenders don't really want to touch it and it just takes a little touch from anyone. So, it's, yeah, this massively improved the delivery of it. Yeah, there's clearly, clearly been work on it, Ed. You're right, you're right to pick it out. It's, it's something, again, we were very proud of our set plays um, the first sort of year under Pardew and then that kind of just fell away and it kind of felt like we were kind of expecting it to carry on, you know, without without the work. Looks like we've put the work in now, um, which is very, very pleasing. Uh yeah, so very, very quickly before before we get to, to forward reviews, just a couple of comments. Uh, Darren Hartnup on uh, Facebook has said since Sacco, who's come into the team, looks a lot, lot better. Reese Powell thinks that Tompkins and Ward have seriously upped their games and deserve to be credited. Uh, uh, and uh, Ricky Anderson's pointing out that uh, he feels that Ben Teco right there with, um, with Troy Dean, he might well have helped sort of him make his mind up to put it in his own net but uh, we'll see see if that's the case uh well don't know. um so just before we go I, I, uh, in terms of the, the four reviews i just want to get to the point of uh wayne hennessy two clear moments in, in the rest of the game obviously there, there's plenty of decent play from palace um but uh but watford had a, a long-range shot from uh oh who was it <laughs> i've written his name down somewhere because the quarry that's it the quarry uh, it was a warded slice the ball out of play from uh, being put under pressure by a, a Townsend pass. Uh, throw throw came in and he just he just hit it. It was a great great strike, a lot of power, a lot of swerve, just curling away from Hennessy. Great dive, great save, claws it out brilliantly. Superb stop, you know. And you got to give credit to the goalkeeper for that. And you know, given it was a, a solid performance from Hennessy, the kind of last moment of the game as well. Bit of a shame that, that it comes to it, but I just want to ask the guys what they thought. Uh, long ball forward, Hennessy comes to claim it, gets two hands on it, and unfortunately uh, drops it. Um, and he gets hooked back towards goal by Niang and, and does on foot well. Fortunately for us, just drops on the roof of the net. First of all, um, Nick, it, it wasn't given as a foul for Deeney backing into Hennessy. You got sympathy for Hennessy anyway? He's getting backed into like that. He was backed into a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got a bit of sympathy. But it, it was Dan who told him to come out, and then Dan did nothing. So, you know, we're blaming Hennessy, but Dan, Dan, you can clearly see on the replays that Dan told him to come for it. Yeah. I'd say it was a kind of a shame because, you know, know, listen, we've been critical of Wayne Hennessy on this show and, you know, 
we all have different opinions of him. And, but he's now he's the goalkeeper who's kept three clean sheets uh, in a row for Palace. He's, he's the you know the man with the with the number one shirt. Not literally, he's just the first choice goalkeeper. Uh, but you know, he's, he, I think he's had a good game there. He's, he came and caught a lot. You know, very very confident in what he was catching, and it was only that that little blemish right at the end that could give anyone real cause for concern. So, uh, you know, I, I personally, well, well done, Wayne. Good performance. What I will say is, uh, had Milivojevic not tackled Nyang like that, um, I think he'd have tucked that away. You reckon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still had a leg half hanging off at the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's... Uh, oh, go on, Ed. Last word on Hennessy, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to forward reviews. No, just the, the bit at the end was just... Disappointed. It was well. He's had a really good game. He's made. He hasn't had a great deal to do, by the sort of one really good save, which was very good. That ball was dipping and skidded off the floor just in front of him, and his distribution was really good yesterday as well. Um, But yeah, whether he's decided to come and or Dan's given him the sort of wave to come out and get it, like yeah, we are criticising Hennessy for dropping it, but Scott Dan has got to just block. Troy, I think it was Deeney, wasn't it? Troy Deeney's run. He's just got to stand in front of him and you know, just kill his run in front of him. You've got to protect your goalie in those situations. So Dan's got to take a bit of blame for that. And yeah, he probably does get fouled, but I think he's known as being a little bit sort of weak in those situations. So doesn't really get the shout from the referee. But Scott Dan's got to do more for me just to protect your goalie in those situations. Either go with Deeney and jump with him or just block his run. I wonder how Dan's well, feeling about being dropped and whether that's affecting him. I well, know I think, he's only on for a little while, but I think Allardyce kind of gave gave a hint pre pre game about that when he was talking about you know how nice it is that uh, that he can pick the same team, but he, and, you know he said that there's there's players who who you know feel aggrieved at not being in the team right now, but they can't argue uh, with with the results. So I think yeah, it's pretty it's pretty you know Allardyce is coming in, he's he's judged people on how they're performing. I think we all felt that, you know, Dan, his form had dipped. You know, I think everyone felt like that. And uh, it was a, it's a brave move to take the captain out of the defence. But there we go. That's, we, we are, we are reaping the benefits of, of a brave move. Now, obviously, Tompkins went off injured. And maybe that's a chance for Dan to get back in. And we'll see how he plays alongside Sacco. Because that's an interesting combination for me. You know, Tompkins has benefited hugely from having Sacco next to him. Um, there we go. Look, let's let's uh, let's have your full word reviews right now, and when we're back, we'll talk about uh, a couple more points before we end the show. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Stephen Garside winning with no shots. Jacqueline and Hart bring on the top six. Ben Akbamoni, another win at home. Ben Allen. Who hates Sam now? Paul Hunt, getting used to this. Chuck Gillespie, is this fake news? Nick Amore, clean sheets equals points. Matt Mitchell, the talismanic Troy De- Delaney. It's, De- it's Deeney. Who's Troy Delaney? Yeah. Elliot Hutchins, Palace thank Deeney Blunder. Jimmy Dawes, three more points backed. Carl Savage, Mila Vajavich is class act. Dale Martin, Wilf Ekabai, outstanding. Kevin Meacher, Zaha Kabai, Sako, Minavei, Ah, you've done it. Done it. <laughs> <laughs> Minavei, Ben Hilton, coming together just fine. Matt Watson, Ben Teke, stealing a living. 
Christmas rush. Beurelia, that say by Hennessy. My favourite jingle. Well, anyway, we won the game one 0 That was that was our uh, review of the key moments. Thank you for your uh, input into that, everyone at home, and also the panel. But plenty more to talk about now. Uh, the the first real point is we're talking about what we've seen is a team that can win when we go ahead. Knows how to shut out the opposition. Knows how to keep playing and you know and, and be dangerous while we're doing that. How do we feel we'd get on, gents? If the team was to go behind, have we got the capability the way we're set up under Allardyce to to get back into a game from a losing position? Uh, what do you think, Ed? Considering that was your point, uh, well, we'll see ultimately. But it concerns me a little bit. Obviously, the three wins are great. Can't moan about that. But it's all all three have obviously come from us, you know, shutting the other team out, going ahead, uh, and the ones like but, uh, West Brom where we've won it by a couple of goals has been getting that first goal and then teams have to come on to us a bit more allows you know our forward players a little bit more space to go and get the second goal and kill the game off towards the end so whether we, whether we, whether Allardyce has got sort of a a plan B or C which I think it was a lot of time the, the criticism levelled at Pardew that we, yeah. we didn't so whether he does when we go go a, a goal behind it wouldn't be nice if we had Remy fit uh, on the bench, so we had that option if we did go a goal behind to to go two up top and see Benteke and Remy together. It's very frustrating that you know them as a front two would be so dangerous, but yeah, you know, it's practically the whole season we've just not been able to put it together. So yeah, it's a bit unfortunate. It's a little, that. yeah, so, it's a bit. <laughs> so yeah, just I was just a bit of a concern that you know yesterday, for example, if we're looking for someone to come off the bench, it was you know Sacco and Campbell. Uh, in terms of attacking players that you'll probably turn into if you're chasing a game, whether that's you know good enough, but we'll, we'll find out. I think. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting you say that. And if you go back to, uh, I suppose was the last game we conceded first was the Sunderland game, I guess, um, and that didn't go very well, did it, Patrick? But is that something we should kind of forget now? We've seemingly turned this corner. Would it be a very different story under the team? The team now. Patrick. <laughs> Patrick? It's kind of... Patrick slow, slow answer that. Yeah, yeah, I think you should. Yeah. Um, I won't say what was the question again. That would really annoy you, wouldn't it? No, I, I think we've got to look back. How long ago was it we were we were winning lots of games from coming from behind? Well, I guess that A couple of years ago, season. was it? Well, got a few at the start of the season, I think, didn't we? But, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, but we were... Yeah. We were well known for not worrying about going a goal behind, weren't yeah. we? Because we had a, a good run. So it, it's just getting that back in. It's interesting to see because it's bound to happen in the next game anyway, isn't it? Chelsea away. Oh, is it? That's, I mean, you know, that's, that was kind of what I was thinking as Ed was saying, you know, where's the plan B? I'm thinking, do we need one? You know, if, if plan A keeps working as well, do we actually need one? But you're right, I suppose. That's that's the ultimate test, the champions elect, as they're being referred to at the moment. Yeah. Do you reckon uh, Remy will be fit and unable to play because it's Chelsea? Yeah, he certainly won't be won't be playing. Yeah, even if he is fit, but um, it's it's a difficult one for me. This because I don't really know. 
I, I think we have that kind of resilience, right? I think the spirit is back in the camp. We have we have winners and leaders back in the team. You know, that's that's been the biggest difference. Okay, that's been most obvious in the way that we defend as a team, and we haven't actually seen that team since it turned this corner have to sort of put that in action. But I do feel that we certainly wouldn't see the heads drop. I don't think you know in in this kind of setup we've got now. Um, but I could, I'd see where Ed's coming from for sure. Um, hopefully Patrick's now back. Do you do you see that point, Patrick? In, in terms of, you know, can this team come back from goal behind? Well, we'll find out uh, in two weeks against Chelsea. Yeah, we said that, but you didn't hear it, did you? No, of course I didn't hear it. That's why I said it again, exactly. Um, but um, it's interesting because, I mean, pa- Alex made a comment um, about the way we're playing. He talks about how he's worked on how much better we're playing out of possession, meaning obviously the defensive part of the game. And I know that Tomkins made a comment about how he'll take the defenders and work on them separately. So I think defensively, we're fine. I think the transition to being behind a goal and trying to score will be difficult. And, and I, I heard Ed's point about Remy as being like a, a wild card. I, I think that's what the reason why we need to get Betegui scoring goals sooner than later. Because if we're behind, obviously, having a striker in form will be the best way to get back into a match. So I think having you know a, a, a second forward in Remy to play off of Betegui would help. I think it will be difficult based on the team that are going to be playing the Chelsea Arsenal-type combination. But if you're talking about um, Hull or Leicester, possibly, I think we'll be okay coming back. I think it depends on your position, obviously. I think we're better start to go ahead. It's been proven, obviously, with the, with the four clean sheets, the four wins, etc. But I think that, that I think we could come back. But again, that really, to me, we're, it's predicating on having a forward that's informed that can get us a, you know, an important goal. Well, uh, Gary Bowman's got in touch on, on our Facebook feed and said, that, you know, he agrees as a team we're looking a lot more solid. But... He says we still need to be clinical in front of goal, which is, is pretty much the point you're making. Um, he says with his, his fear with the fixtures we've got coming up is it's too late. and hope the lads can prove it's not. But, you know, I, I think if you look at... Wait, what What's too late? I don't understand what As in too late, I think he means to stay in the division because of the difficult fixtures. Oh, I, wow. I'm, I'm not I that worried. Uh, no. Oh. But having said that, let's not get complacent, guys. No, no. Definitely <laughs> no. not. But I'm not, I'm not but, negative uh, as I was before, that's for sure. No, I, I think when you look at the, the, the winnable games, as long as we don't get our confidence knocked in the games that are difficult, and I, and I think Allardyce would probably have us set up mentally right for that. As in, you know, he's already said, because of the way we've we've won the last three, we've now earned the right to go into the Chelsea game and just see what happens exactly. and not worry about it. Yeah. As long as we could keep doing that in the bigger games and get the results in the other games, you know, Leicester are obviously have turned the corner themselves, and that makes it puts a different complexion on that the home game we've got against them. We've also got a home game against Hull, haven't we? Uh, and Burnley, uh, probably one more as well. Spurs. Me. Yes, but, but yeah, but still, in, in general, there's, there's games in there that we should look at and think, you know, we've got a good chance of, of winning there. But yeah, I do kind of get the feeling we need to pull a couple of draws out of the big games as well. Oh, I, we will, we will have to do that. Sure. I think Arsenal will be. A, I honestly think Arsenal is the best time you're playing them now. They're they're in such turmoil right now that they will never have a better chance of getting the points or more a point or more points than Arsenal than we'll we'll in a couple of weeks. What you don't want is for Arsene to leave just before we play them, though, is it? Absolutely not. I agree. Or even announce he's leaving. I agree, Nick. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. But there we go. That's uh, interesting views, and I appreciate your, your comments, guys. And um, I suppose we, we, the next thing we want to talk about, really, is is the Allardyce factor that we're now feeling it. So 
we've had lots of different phrases this season. We've had the bounce, the new manager bounce, the new player bounce, and you know people talked about not getting those. Uh, it's already been brought up already that uh, Allardyce said we'd start to see end of March, start of April, the effect that the, that his his methods would really start to have. Um, so I guess it's really are we an Allardyce team now, Nick? We've got enough new players in, haven't we? That, that, yeah. have, that have changed. That, He's changed the team, so yeah, we are an Allardyce team. I just how does how does that feel? Like you said, we're fickle. You said it earlier on. I don't know if you said it in the show or or before the show, but we do, we don't really care. Once once we start getting results, we it sort of disappears a little bit, doesn't it? I like the fact that he's he's brought into into Palace. Yeah, I thought we'd be a more, lot more aloof, but he he does seem to. I think we've won him over as a club. Yeah, I, I get that. We do that feeling. with a lot of managers. Yeah, we do. I, I get that feeling as well. When he, when he, you know, the press conferences when he, in, in the early days, you know, when he took over and, and you know when we were struggling for results, and he was, you know, at times he was looking a little bit shell shocked, a little bit like, what have I got myself in for here? Yeah. Um, I think that the Sunderland game, I think that really affected him. You know, I think he he, he looked he looked a sort of almost like a defeated man after that, and I'm sure, you know, the players and the staff and the board were all. Just as worried as the fans are after after that that sort of that game, and the way that panned out. But but Chris, we can yeah. look back at that moment now and think of it as a watershed moment though for our season because I agree with you. I was shell shocked. I remember I've never been more down in the season or seasons in the Premier League as I was after that match. I was so depressed and not looking forward to it. I've never been a big Allardyce fan, but when we lost that match and the fact we've turned it around and the way he's done it, as far as an Allardyce team, I think we definitely become one. I'm not looking forward to the football we're going to be playing going forward. But right now, I am 100% focused on one thing. Results, results, results. I could care less how we play. Yesterday was awful to watch, but I didn't care. <laughs> you know, we got the three points. So yeah. um, I just think that uh, that Sunderland game could be looked back in, as being a turning point for, for the fans. Remember how they reacted during that game and everything. We've so turned around since then with the, with the displays and the 30 minutes before the game cheering. I mean, everything's changed since then. I think it's been... You know, an interesting time. But like I said, I, I just want to move move ahead. I think we can we can definitely stay up and hopefully uh, push on next season. Yeah, it's you know, he's, he's done some of the small things right. The, the sort of the easy things: praise the fans, sing along to Glad Over, do a strange yeah. dance. You know, that sort of stuff. Those are the easy things. I, but I agree. Bottom, bottom line: if you want to win fans over, if you want to change the opinionated people who you know uh mouth off about you and all that kind of stuff if you want to change their opinions just talk about myself uh, then just win football matches win, you know exactly. that's that's what you do, no matter uh, how you do but show respect to the club as well and like you say there's there's been a bit of a a warming i think um i'm actually going to put it back to uh to the incident where <laughs> where nick and myself were at Sellers park in the same lounge as the, the team and nick decided really? to proclaim loudly that uh that we were going to go one nil down at half time against Middlesbrough when he was five yards away from Allardyce. Oh, I, I, I'm picking that point where Allardyce thought, "What is? Is this this? It's Nick Philpot I keep hearing about. He keeps <laughs> slagging people off. Right, <laughs> let's show him. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I, I know you're listening. I thought I'd just unnecessarily bully you, but I've given you credit for turning our season around as well. So there you go. Uh, no, look, it's uh, Ed. You know, last word for you, really, on this, on us being an Allardyce team. When you know, are we are we there, or what's more more to come? Do you think? Uh, I think yeah, we are an Allardyce team now. I think when he took over at Sunderland, I think he lost eight of his first ten. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't get that new manager bounce that everyone was talking about, which is you know, which you 
quite often see, but I mean, Hull got it with what's his name, Marco. Yeah, uh, and Swansea got it with Clement, but look where they're where they are now. They're both below us still. So yeah, they got that initial bump where you think. Anyhow, a few weeks ago we were thinking, oh yes, yeah, Swansea are all right now. They've they've yeah. really pulled away from it, um, yeah. and they were looking like a different team. But you know, our few results recently sort of dragged them right back down underneath us, and now they look like they're struggling and Hull as well. So. Yeah, we didn't get the new manager bounce, but I think hopefully the way Allardyce has done it and turned the team into how he wants them to play and how he wants them to set up has more sort of uh, longevity to it than an initial group of players wanting to impress a new manager over a few weeks. And you get that little spike when a new guy comes in, you know, it's that they're buying into how he wants the team to play and how we're listening to his instructions. And yeah, hopefully it's got more long term in it than just a little spike of results as when a manager comes in. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, it, you, you know, it's easy to say it now, now the points are on the board, because, you know, if you'd, you'd asked us sort of five, you know, four or five games ago, we'd have said we'd much rather take the bounce, you know, than, than not have the yeah. points. But now, we, now we're at the other end of it. I think we have got the better end of the deal if we can keep this consistent level of performance up, certainly. And it's nice to be beating the teams that we should be beating, you know, <laughs> that we have to yeah. be, which yeah. is the main you know, rather than going and losing five four to Swansea, you know, and thinking, oh, all right, okay, they hadn't really scored very many goals before they played us, and now they've scored five. What's what? what? Uh, but we've managed to get away from that. Um, okay, so yeah, there you go. The Allardyce factor has set in. Uh, but let's talk. Last last word of the day really goes to to performances, and I'm going to start with um, an email we got from Mark Chesney. He says, "Do the panel agree that Joe Waters?" Seems to be slowly getting back to the sort of form we expect from him. I personally think he had a really good game yesterday. In the last three games, he, he, he seems to be a lot more solid. Now, obviously, I had a, a discussion with, with Nick P on the show uh, last time we were on, where I, I felt Ward was much better defensively, but still in, in possession and in distribution struggled. Um, but I, I agree and start to see a more confident Joe Ward, which is, again, confidence is such a huge thing in football. Um I, I do think that, you know, at his best, he would he would be a much better player for us in, in in you know in this system. I think he would suit him if he was up to the level he was maybe two years ago. And I'm not saying he can't get back there. He's still relatively young, you know, and he's and he's he's not a bad player. But uh, for me, for a number of times, I'd, I'd have said he's the weak link. But certainly not in the last the last couple. Let's give him, give him credit. He's looked. He's looked decent, but I've had my say on him over the last couple of weeks. So, Nick, what's your view on Mr Ward? He seems to be staying back more, doesn't he? I mean, I think that's that's helping him out a bit. He, he's, he's got less to do, as it were, just concentrate more on defending. That that That's what it seemed to me anyway. And again, we've said about Allardyce giving players their individual homework. Allardyce has seen what Ward's weaknesses are and told him to work on them, and I think he has. And again, he's part of that back four with Sacco, and Sacco just is, is head and shoulders above defenders we've seen at Sellers for years, isn't he? I'll, I'll talk about uh, Mamadou Sacco in a bit, actually, but I just want to get Patrick and Ed's views on Ward before we move on. Uh, Patrick? Yeah, um, Nick's spot on. I think that... Uh, I mean, Pudis did it, you know, defend more. He still has... He's still not great for me going forward passing but defensively he's definitely gotten a lot better his confidence is definitely up and I, and I see an uptick I would have expected that out of an Allardyce defence honestly to him to play better so I'm really happy he's responded to that um, so 
uh, that's great. And again, he doesn't have to get forward because, again, when you have talent ahead of you who wants to bomb on anyway and get forward, and you've got Wilf on the other side who may eventually be on your side if you know, they switch, etc. You don't really need to get forward. So I think, uh, you know, Aldice is definitely great idea, pointed out what he's good at and made him play defense. He's, he's definitely been playing better of late. I like what I see out of Ward. Had you seen the improvement too? Uh, yeah, I've been pleased with it. I was a little bit critical of him a couple of weeks ago, but I think... Like you say, his confidence having Sacco and Tompkins was really good yesterday as well. Next to you as a fullback helps. Uh, and being part of an Allardyce defence where your first responsibility is to be a defender. I think it was after the West Brom game when we were talking about Ward on the review show. I said the best job Ward we've seen at Palace was under Pulis where it was you're a defender first and anything else after that. And I think it's a similar sort of thing yeah. with Allardyce. He's just asked, asked you know, your first responsibility and the most important thing is that you defend and you keep the shape with the rest of the back four and you nullify the left winger and then if you can get forward and get involved you do so I think that concentrating on the defensive side of things and asking him to do a little bit less going forward than perhaps he was under Pardew you're seeing sort of the more of the Joel Ward that we saw under Pulis when he was you know brilliant for us so going back to Sacco that Nick brought up I actually, well, I think we saw Sacco was brilliant. Okay, it was a really good game again. Uh, it's been, you know, three games for Palace, three clean sheets. It says all you need to know about Sacco's influence on the team, uh, alongside along with Luca. But he had some of his moments yesterday where you remember them from from the occasional game at Liverpool as well, where he would just look a little clumsy. He'd look a little bit like he's got a bit of an insane decision in him. And I, and I sort of base this on. During the game, we were. I was talking to my mate Willie, who hadn't, hadn't seen Sacco play live for Palace, and he said, "Oh, everyone's been telling me Sacco is great, but what is he trying to do?" <laughs> like, he just—I can't remember what it was. It was—it was sort of basically trying to play a, a, a ball that was sort of a head height with his sort of to try and side foot to another player, and ended up side footing it into the ground. Don't remember that, but he had a few little moments, but so sort of absolutely superb, Nick. Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant, and he. He he's just so strong, and I. It's just those passes along the area. He maybe thinks he knows what he's doing, but bloody hell! And I'll put your um stomach in your mouth or whatever. Think, what are you doing that there for? <laughs> yes, but, yeah, we're not. I suppose part of it's we might we might not be used used to a, a defender trying to take the ball down and play a sensible pass, but and put themselves under pressure. And he's obviously confident in his own ability to be able to pass the ball away under pressure but yeah the the sort of the way the legs work sometimes is a bit alarming but but then you look uh was it the last game where he he had a couple of diving headers putting in diving into where people yeah. were about to shoot and getting the ball away um oh, yeah. it's just immense it's a shame i don't think i think he's in a shop window i think that um because he's doing so well for us it'll actually go against us when we try and get him for next season yeah, Allardyce said uh, it'll take a lot of negotiating to get him, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, kind of thing. Uh, Patrick, there was a moment as that that Sacco he went up for a header, missed missed the first header, but actually won the second header, sort of nipping ahead of a player. That's the kind of thing that he's brought, isn't it? That kind of focus of defending, would you say? Oh, absolutely. And and again, it was if that was your first time seeing him, you know why Liverpool probably got rid of him because they're like, what is he doing? But again, we haven't seen that. Um, so I, I mean, it, it comes and goes. But no, I. I saw that and I, I kind of chuckled when he did that. But again, he, he was able to recover and it didn't cost us. But you can, again, you can, you can kind of see why Liverpool kind of said, you know, maybe he's not, you know, 
the perfect defender for us because he had these moments. He's got that kind of personality. You see the guy with a uh, with um his, his cell phone stuck between his uh, headphones. As a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a little he's a little out there. But again, um, it it, it was a crazy moment. But like I said, um. Uh, we'll we'd be we'd be lucky to sign him, and I hope we we get a chance. I really do. But but a guy with multicolored hair who sticks a headphone his phone inside his headphones and, and just dresses like a maniac. That's Palace, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we like those. Yes, we do. <laughs> maybe maybe he thought that P did he did buy us all those years ago. <laughs> That's uh, an old man's joke, Nick. I'll just point out. Um, Ed, uh, you, your last word on Sacco's performance. Uh, yeah, he's just class isn't he but yeah he's a bit eccentric and you can see that in his his football sometimes he's does make you crap yourself sometimes a lot i've said in previous shows like it's nice just having someone with that much class that will rather than head a ball away as a center half can realize he's got a bit knows no one around him a bit of time he'll take it down on his chest a couple of touches and play it out to one of the others to start an attack but I'd sometimes rather he doesn't do that every single time, which was what he was trying to do yesterday. Yeah. Even when it wasn't really appropriate, you'd quite sometimes would just like to see him stick his head through it. But yeah, a few couple of nervy moments yesterday. He's got a he's got an absolute clangor in him, for sure. We'll probably see it once, I think, before the end of the season. But he is yeah, just miles above anything. So- I want, I want to get I want to get everyone's man of the match. I do want to very quickly mention the performance of Benteke. Uh, uh, I know it's, it's probably a a topic for another time because it's going to be pretty. Well, it's it's, it's you know it's, it's a divisive issue at the moment. I I would say on that performance, you know, Benteke is a is a player that needs a goal. But if you actually, you know, the the moment he broke through and just took a really heavy touch, yeah. if he's confident, he hits that first time as it comes across him. But as it was, it, it came across him and he totally misjudged the speed of it and all of a sudden had to stick out stick out his right leg and try and cushion it. But by that time, it was just running away from him. and You know, it, it looked awful. And there were a couple of moments where, you know, he just took a heavy touch and all that kind of stuff or just wasn't quite in the right position. But actually, over 90 minutes, his work rate, his hold-up play was, was very, very good, you know. It just didn't see enough of the ball, and you can see it's playing on his mind. The frustrations there, you know, snatching whatever chance he gets. It is. I, I don't like to see it, but as long as he does the hold-up play as well as he did, um, again, not perfect. I'm not saying he didn't didn't make the right decision. You know, he made the right decision every time because he didn't. But but he held it up well when he could. He flicked on a few headers very very well with players around him. Was was a constant. Uh, menace for the for the centre backs, even when not with the ball, defended from the front, all those kind of things. But bottom line is, he needs a goal. And if he, you know, and the longer it goes on, the, the more people are going to question his, uh, you know, his his sort of productivity and his his value to the team. Um, and it's almost the way with a with a big money player, the the expectation is huge on them, and, uh, and he's under a bit of pressure now. So he just needs a tap in, something to come off a shin or something like that at some point. And I think hopefully we'll we'll start seeing him. Uh, seeing him with a bit more of a smile on his face when he's playing. So that's all I, I, I want to say on that. But man of the match, please, gents. Uh, I, I think it's quite an obvious one this week. And then I'll, I'll tell you what happened in the Facebook poll directly afterwards as well. Start with you, Ed, your man of the match. Uh, I'll go Zaha for me. He was just had the beating of their fullback all day long. He did well at sort of carrying us up the pitch. 30, 40, 50 yards, sometimes when we were under a little bit of pressure and he was just a constant threat. Every time he got the ball, he looked like he was going to beat two or three and create a chance for us. So 
he was in one of his moods yesterday where he was really fancied it and he did well to keep his cool more or less after being sort of kicked from the third minute onwards. What was uh, what do you reckon then, Patrick, your man of the match? Kind of like that Troy Deeney fella did a good job yesterday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you spoiled Mikey's joke from yeah, Facebook. I know. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> I, I mean, Zaha won about 80% of his duels, one-on-one. He got that big foul on Prodor that led to the free kick, that led to the goal. And as both Allardyce and Deeney said, he was the biggest threat of Palace all day. So I'd have to give it to um, to Wilf. He, he really was a... I actually kept saying during the match, you need to quality. He was probably the only quality player we really had yesterday. So he was definitely the best player for me yesterday for Palace. Okay, Nick? <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's a toss-up between Kabai and Wilf. The only reason I would say Kabai would get it over Wilf was he didn't stop moving. I'm looking at his heat map. He's all over the pitch. And it's something we haven't seen. So it's to give him a little pat on the back and a little, little bit of encouragement to keep it up, please. Uh, good shout, good shout, Nick. He did very, very well. And uh, substituted a lot later than usual as well. So contributed for a lot more of the game. Uh, mine was Zaha as well. I just thought quality-wise, just head and shoulders above everyone absolutely superb um and just yeah the reason we won the game was was wolf zaha but looking at uh, at facebook joel ward got five votes goodbye got uh, nine votes sorry milovojevic got five votes goodbye got nine votes uh zaha 31 troy dini 36 which was nice <laughs> to see uh, but sacco won it on facebook with 47 votes so uh, there you go yeah yeah surprise there not to say he wasn't brilliant because he was brilliant Absolutely, but uh, but there when you, you When you first started saying three votes, four votes, I was going to say to you, Chris, can we do it percentages next time? So it's going to be a lot <laughs> yeah, more this. Like <laughs> <laughs> but it went up a bit, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. It wasn't too bad by the end, was it? <laughs> okay, right. We're pretty much done there, I think. Uh, let me have a quick check of my... Uh... <laughs> my list yeah that's everything uh, uh, thank you so much loads of you got in touch this week didn't get to everything uh, but we appreciate every single comment and i hope you enjoyed listening this week if you missed any of it don't forget there is a podcast download uh, go to itunes or whatever your favorite pod thing is what do you use nick you use some weird android rubbish uh pod kicker pod kicker there you go we're on pod kicker we're on acast all those kinds of bits and pieces go to horadio.net check the podcast page on there if you any queries at all but uh yeah if you missed anything do download that also make sure you download terence ford's uh preview podcast which should be out either it's usually the wednesday night or the thursday morning uh, after their recording uh, always worth a listen fantastic every week doesn't give me that except kind of praise on this show does he oh except yeah. next week of course yeah because there's no game but uh, you, can be, you can preview nothing be all right there'll be six saturdays in a row where i haven't had to kick the cat Oh, amazing, isn't it? <laughs> brilliant. All of March, no, not a single loss has been brilliant. <laughs> very, very welcome, I have to say. My mood at work has been a lot, lot better. Yeah, yeah it's only because of these sodding breaks, isn't it? It is. <laughs> anyway, thanks, everyone, and we'll be back uh, well, in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Bye. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.